Welcome back to Square Horror. I'm your Duke of Spook, Danny. I'm the master of ceremonies, Matt, and we are about to get real today. We're about to get into real hauntings and real Ryan Reynolds himself. Yeah, real hauntings, okay? This is based on a true story, (laughs) hauntings, um, Mm -hmm. featuring Ryan Reynolds and his perfect body. I mean, that guy cannot not look good. (laughs) Bro, and his beard in this movie? Oh. Like, Bro, I appreciate sexy. a good beard. Ryan Reynolds is hot. Like He's fucking hot. Everybody will admit it. He no, looks great. He's incredible. And I feel like, aside from the fact that he's gorgeous and he's hilarious, Ryan Reynolds can act. And if anyone ever doubts you, so well. show them this movie. Because he's terrifying. <laughs> he scares well, the fuck and, out of me. And I want to mention, because I, I found it really interesting when I read about it, Ryan Reynolds actively like, didn't talk to his on-screen children when they weren't rolling. Like, it wasn't that he was trying to be mean. It was trying... It was so, like, he could separate himself from what he has to do to these kids throughout the movie. Because, like, he's like, it'll be easier if I'm, like, if I don't know them, and then I get to know them after we've shot the, like, bad stuff. For real, like... Like, that is smart, honestly. Because, like... Ryan Reynolds' performance in this movie really sticks with me because of how real it feels. Like, him with these kids, like, makes me uncomfortable. Because he's, like, really creepy. And not in, like, a pedophile way. We're talking, like, in an ominous, threatening way. That I just don't... You don't really expect from somebody like Ryan Reynolds. Like, everybody knows Ryan Reynolds. Like, Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. He... I mean, what are we... A free guy? Like, what else has Ryan Reynolds been He was Green Lantern until that didn't... A Green Lantern, of course. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so many... I mean, I just... Off the top of my head, I can't think of any. But, like... Ryan Reynolds is an incredibly talented actor. Like, full stop. Comedic or otherwise. And I feel like it, this movie shows that side that he doesn't normally get to explore. Like, not only is yeah. he the bad guy for all intents and purposes, but he also gets to play, like, the good guy. Like, he plays both of these so well that mm-hmm. it, it, I just, man, I love it. It's so good. We were just gushing about this before we started recording. Yeah. Um... So yeah, today we are talking about the 2005 remake of the Amityville Horror. Yes, this is our uh, wonderful world of remakes. Yes, we are back in our world. And for anybody who knows the Amityville series, you know, there's a shitload of movies out there. Um, And this this is the shortest Amityville movie of all of them at 90 minutes, a solid hour and a half. And I'm going to tentatively say... It, I'm going to tentatively say it's the best. I haven't Probably. seen the original one. Uh, but um, when I was on uh, Prime looking for this video, this movie and I looked up mm-hmm. Amityville, about nine or ten other Amityvilles came up, one of them being Amityville versus Karen. And we're talking about, like, what? hysteria. I'm not even kidding. Danny, this movie looked like it was made by us. Like, it is so low quality and so terrible looking, but it's certainly out there. So, like, the Amityville Horror, the capital A, capital H, Amityville Horror, is such a big deal and it's so prolific throughout horror because it's, again, it's based on a true story. It's based on a real haunting that took place in Amityville, New York, which is a neighborhood on Long Island. It's a very nice, bougie area on Long Island. Very nice area. uh, Back in the 70s. 
Um, and we'll get into it a bit more, but the movie that we're covering today is based on a movie from, I believe, the early 80s that was based on a book of the same name uh, that was co-written by the Lutzes, the real-life family who lived in this house and documented a lot of these haunting activity. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so the book came out in 1977, uh, which is two years after the events of... Um, the Amityville haunting, as it's yes. known in uh, modern day, yeah. Um, and then I th- yeah, I think the movie was late seventies, early eighties, somewhere around there. Hold on, I I got. I would now. bet that it was within a year or two of the book coming out because this, at least in American pop culture, for those of you that give a shit about this sort of dumb nerd thing. Uh, th- this movie came out at a very, like, uh, pivotal point in, like, the American zeitgeist. So, like, prior to, like, the mid to late 70s, like, the late 60s and early 70s, Americans didn't really fear the devil. Like, it wasn't really a thing that people thought a lot actively about. And it wasn't until the Manson murders in the late 60s and the release of The Exorcist in the mid to late 70s and this real-life haunting in the in the mid-70s as well that kind of started to kick off this satanic panic, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, that kind of characterized the 80s and 90s a lot in America. And the devil and demons and possession and all that shit kind of got infused with horror and all aspects of American life. It's This is back in the day when people thought D&D was going to fucking steal your soul from you. Like, that's the sort of mm-hmm. lame shit that this movie and book and story kind of spawned. And I've got a little mini... Well, this is a, the, the season of soapboxes on Square Horror. I've got a mini soapbox <laughs> on that at the end of the episode that I promise will be fun. Um, but that's uh, kind of what was going on in America at this time when this came out. Well, yeah. And this... The original movie was 1979, which means it was right back-to-back with... Um, the iconic movies of the late 70s in the horror genre alone, which were Texas Chainsaw and Halloween. Yeah. And uh, The Exorcist, the year after, I think, right? Uh, I think Exorcist was 73? Oh, shit. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the 70s? So, yeah, Exorcist kind of paved the way for this movie to do as well as it did to spawn the giant series of Amityville, yeah. which I'm just going to say this right now. Even just looking at some of the posters for some of these Amityville movies. Amityville in space, you know. <laughs> I mean, the third one follows Jaws and Friday the 13th to be in 3D. Yeah. So I am kind of intrigued to know what happened. Because it's 3D in, like, 1982. Uh, which I has love, to be a fun time. I love 1992's Amityville. It's about time. Uh, I don't know what that one is. Um, there's uh, Amityville 4, The Evil Escapes. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's so, uh, Amityville, the awakening, I think is one of the more recent ones that came out in 2017. And I remember when this came out because it's starring Bella Thorne, uh, and Cameron Monaghan, who's from the the Jedi Fallen Order games, but Bella Mm. Thorne at the time lived in this house. I remember her buy, it was like a new store that she had bought it. And I was like, holy shit, why would someone want to do that? And now that I'm an adult and I'm like, man, if I had that kind of money, I would live there. The house looks awesome. (laughs) Well, and I think Amityville is so used, not necessarily in the franchise of Amityville, but just as a title, that I think it was a year or two ago that the Razzies had a category that was just movies That's that right. used Amityville in the title. And there were like seven or That's eight true. of them. Right. Like, they, again, 
fucking Amityville versus Karen. I feel like the Amityville name is public domain, so it's like anybody mm-hmm. can make. It's kind of like making any movie about the devil. But imagine that the devil was like made by Marvel Comics. Like if all of the movies yeah. that have ever been about the devil have all just secretly been spinoffs about this one character. Mm-hmm. Um, but this particular spinoff, uh, the remake in two thousand five, is so different from everything we've described because it's legitimately fucking terrifying (laughs) it's yeah it's really creepy and like it's how the movie builds like so not even like necessarily subtly but it builds in steps like it is very particular in how it goes from like oh this is just a family picture to oh ryan reynolds might kill his family that's gonna be not okay yeah, and for those that don't know, this movie is it kind of follows a uh, revamped, modernized um, version of like The Shining. Like it follows mm-hmm. that similar progression of picturesque family that slowly and darkly turns into a nightmare, and mm-hmm. you know Ryan Reynolds' character is at the center of that nightmare. Um, but as just a general sort of statement, um, you know, it's this newlywed couple that's terrorized by demonic forces that after moving into this large house that was the site of a grisly mass murder, uh, only two years prior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think... Like, imagine, like, I know we, he, we get into this when the movie actually happens, but like, imagine committing to yourself that... Oh yeah, I'm gonna buy this murder house where the murder happened like a year or two ago. It'll right. all be okay. Like, and then Morgan Freeman the says it is not up, okay. <laughs> even when the babysitter shows up, she's like, "Yeah, I used to watch the kids in this last house. It's kind of fucked up. You guys live here yeah. now. We'll uh, fucking <laughs> talk about Lisa because double standard much? You're laying in the bed, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah." Um, but before we get in, I want to just say a couple of things about production. First and foremost, we got to talk about the cast. Of course, Ryan Reynolds uh, is in it. Um, we've also got a couple of other people, familiar faces to the podcast. Um, we've got Chloe Grace Moretz is in it again. She's, of course, from the remake of Carrie and Let Me In that we've covered before. And this was her, this was her film debut. This That's was right. the first film she was in when she was like eight years old at the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she does most of her own stunts being eight years old Impressive for this movie. and scary. Which is cool. Yeah, she's a badass. I love her. She, she's incredible in everything she's in, because she always just gives, like, 110%. And she really mm-hmm. plays, like... Uh, this This chick is... This little girl is just, like... I don't think what's happening is right, but, like... I don't know what to do. I'm six or however old and she I have is. A, I've got a friend and that's all that matters right now. Yeah. Yes. But that'll end up being a bigger problem later. Uh, yeah. Pretty big problem. <laughs> We've also got <laughs> Melissa George. Who's recently been on the podcast in 30 days of night with Josh Hartnett. Remember mm-hmm. the vampire apocalypse movie that still gives me nightmares to this day. Yep. And uh, Jimmy Bennett from Orphan, uh, he was the younger brother who uh, was not buying what Esther was selling at all. No. Uh, And in Uh, this one, he's unfortunately a boy that is terrified of everything. Yeah, well, and I do find it kind of funny because um, 
Jimmy, who plays the character, or is the actor in this movie, he and the actress who plays Lisa, the babysitter, actually later worked on a movie together, uh, being 2009's Star Trek. Yeah! Uh, where he played the young version of Chris Pine's uh, James T. Kirk when he's, like, yeah. driving around, being a rascal. And um, I honestly don't remember who uh, Rachel Nichols, who plays Lisa, I don't remember what her character is, but her name is uh, Gyla, Gala. Some Somebody will tell me I'm wrong. It's okay. I don't I recall, but there were a lot of space ladies in that one, I do remember. There's a, there's a lot of people in the Star Trek yeah. movies. Yeah, it's true. Uh, so, we, for directing this movie, we've got Andrew Douglas, um, and what was interesting is that he, he doesn't really fancy himself as much of a director as he is, like, a really gifted photographer. Uh, he mm-hmm. went to this very prestigious, uh, photography academy, uh, he's a very talented music video director, so he's clearly a very good visual storyteller, um, and I think yeah, that this movie couple, works for that. Uh, he's done a couple, like, documentaries, mm-hmm. um specifically not too long ago he actually did a documentary about the musical company really um, when they redid it in london uh, which i thought was really interesting yeah um, so i mean he's got to like musicals man at the very least i mean you don't yeah, just kind of right? trip your way into that uh so yeah amityville horror is one of the like two movies he has directed that are yeah. documentaries in his whole career so far um, and I feel like it's interesting because, I mean, he's clearly a very visual director, but the vision that went into this, I feel like, definitely comes from the writer and the producers. Uh, mm-hmm. We have Scott Kozer writing. Um, I had no idea this guy's credibility. Uh, he's written several episodes of Mike Flanagan's The Haunting of Hill House, for one. Uh, he's written The Machinist, which is that movie that's famously got Chris, uh, uh, Christian Bale like losing all that weight. Um, I haven't personally seen it, sorry, Uh, but it looks really good and it's been on my watch list for years. Mm -hmm. He's also written several episodes of Bates Motel and uh, the, the, I think it's 2007 remake of The Crazies, um, which we might be covering pretty soon. I don't know if you've seen it, Danny, but this movie, it fucks you up. I haven't seen it. It's really intense. Um, But uh, on the production side, we've got Platinum Dune, which should uh, prick up a couple of your ears. Danny, how about you? Yeah, so Platinum Dune was very famous in the uh, mid to late 2000s as, like, the remake champ. Um, Because they covered, like, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, the Friday the 13th remake, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, and it's, like run by michael bay who you might remember from all the transformers movies in the late yeah, 2000s like that michael bay who's but he basically is like if a 13 year old boy from the like late 80s early 90s was given like a million dollar production company because he just makes mm-hmm. movies about giant robots blowing shit up and guys giant in masks explosions. blowing up fucking people's insides yeah and i mean i love it man <laughs> i'm a big i'm a big fan personally i feel like the what I like to refer to as like the remake renaissance of the early to mid two thousands we wouldn't have had without Michael Bay and Platinum Dune and I'm personally a huge fan of these remakes. What I didn't know until I looked it up for the show was that he's also behind um, the Purge franchise, 
uh, him and oh. Blumhouse together. Because think about it, like as those movies went on, they got bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more action mm-hmm. heavy. And who knows horror, like intense modern horror action better than Michael Bay. Um, he's also done uh, the Ouija movies, um, both the original and Origin of Evil, directed by Mike Flanagan. Um, and he's done uh, both the Quiet Place movies, and he's set to produce the two upcoming Quiet Place movies. We have one next year and one the following year as well. Ooh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited for this new Quiet Place prequel. I'm so oh, intrigued sure. by what's going to happen. I'm down. I'm ready for more Last of Us type craziness. The last one had a mm-hmm. lot of it, and uh, yeah, man, I, I'm definitely due for a rewatch of that one. Um, and yeah, one other thing I want to mention for our sake because I think it's really cool um, about the making of this movie was they ended up making the reproduction of the exterior of the house in uh, Silver Lake, Wisconsin. Really? And where they did a lot of the interior of the house was built on a temporary soundstage in an empty building located in a corporate park in Buffalo Grove, Illinois, which is real close You're to our hometown. Me. Bro, that's where my grandparents no. grew Wait, where did you say it was? <laughs> so, so yeah, they built the like interiors of the house in a corporate park in Buffalo Grove in an no like, empty building that they made into a soundstage. I, wow, that's that blows my mind. <laughs> I read that and I lost my shit. I'm stunned. I'm like, I've, I grew up in Buffalo Grove. <laughs> I was like, I've been there for years. So like literally while this movie was happening, I bet you like I was going to my grandparents like two minutes on the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so crazy. Uh, that's, okay, so, um, for a second before we get into the movie, we gotta talk about, uh, the original story, um, because there is something, Mm -hmm. uh, important we do need to discuss, and that there's a real-life murder, uh, like, the the, the, the killings in this movie are very real. Yes. So, the, uh... The original story um, follows the family annihilation of the DeFeo family. Um, they were a uh, family of, I believe, five or maybe six uh, who lived in Long Island, uh, Amityville, Long Island, in the uh, mm-hmm. early to mid '70s. And um, their oldest son, uh, conveniently the same age as Danny Hollander, uh, Ronnie Butch DeFeo. Whoa. I'm sorry, I just learned about his age. Co- what are you saying here, Matt? Listen, I'm 24. I'm technically too old to have killed these people, but you might have. I still have a chance. Uh, but so so so. Okay, I'm serious. Ronnie um, shot his family to death, um, and it's, there seemed to be like no reason why. Um, and uh, what's implied in the movie is that uh, he was told by these evil spirits within the house to kill his family. Um, and that they drove his behavior. Uh, and re- I feel like it is our obligation, at least out of just respect for the victims, to just say that that is not true, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, Ronnie threw about a million uh, whack, wacky-ass shit crazy stories at the wall when he was trying to feign an insanity to plea uh, because he did murder his whole family. He killed five people, yes. uh, his two younger brothers, 11 and 12 years old, and his younger sisters who were like 18 and 13. Uh, so, I mean, that's a rough way to incorporate and, I guess, build this kind of goofy of a franchise on. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and I do think it's important to note that this movie begins with that happening, essentially using recreated crime scene stills. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, like, intercut with flashes. So you don't actively see anybody get shot, which is nice, because nothing is worse than having to watch kids get shot. Yeah, you, um, that's really not great. Yeah. However, I feel like one of the ways they covered themselves is by introducing, like, the only character of the DeFeo family we really see as a ghost is their youngest daughter, Jody, who was not real. They fabricated her for the movie because little girls are just fucking creepy. Um, but I feel like that's good because in this way you can kind of fictionalize this ghost story around this event happening. And I feel like it's a little bit more tasteful in that way. If that mm-hmm. sort of thing appeal, well, you know, gets to you. And I do think it's important to note that with this adaptation and every other adaptation, most of the children's, or if not all, of the children's names are changed from what they actually were in real life in yes. order to, like, offer up anonymity for these kids to live their lives. Yeah. Um, which I think is important. I think we should be able to separate um, stories from their real-life people because... If in effect a real life person, if they have to follow this for decades on end, like the yeah. Abbeville horror movies have been going on for. Yeah, yeah. We'll probably have some choice things to say about the Conjuring movies and their depiction of the real life families when we get to those movies yeah. one day. Because we have to talk about how the Warrens are liars. But that is another story but for another such time. Good movies. They are great fucking movies. I love them. <laughs> they are so good. Um. <laughs> So, uh, you know, we're introduced to the story, you know, like, like Danny said, through the murder uh, of this family, um, and uh, we're introduced all at the same time to the Lutz family, who in real life did move into the DeFeo's house, uh, like, two years after the murders. As a matter of fact, I was doing some research on it today, because I'm weird, uh, that it was a couple of days after Ronnie's conviction on the five, uh, you know, second-degree murder charges for his whole family that the Lutzes moved into their house. Shit. Yeah. So the Lutz family is uh, George Lutz, um, top-tier stepdad, played by Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny, yeah. what's your first impression of George? So he's great, because we, introdu- we immediately are introduced to him with him and um, his partner, um, Kathy. They were I think married. They're, they're married at this point. They're right? married, I'm pretty sure. Because they're the yeah. Lutzes, now that's his last name. That's right. Um and so, like, they're interacting as a couple, which they have chemistry. These I love their chemistry. Great. And then immediately we get to see how George handles being a stepfather. Right. When um, the littlest boy, Michael, is in the room. When they're, like, when the married couple is starting to make out. And Michael walks into the room and is like, what are you doing to my mom? <laughs> and it's just... I'm making love to her, Michael. Well, yeah, he says, I'm not doing anything. And then he whispers in her ear, not yet. And I'm like, dude, not in front of the kid, please. Oh, because I kind of thought it was like... for a second, George. I love the way that Ryan Reynolds just kind of puts his signature on all of his characters. Because, like, if you like Ryan Reynolds' humor, you'll enjoy George Lutz. Because, like, he's got kind of that same sort of edge, like, dry humor. Um, Because I figured that when he was like, oh, I'm not doing anything. It's like, yeah, because he's not anymore. He's not. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, and I so, think it's really, I think it's really interesting to see how immediately he's like, "No, you don't have to call me dad. I'm not like gonna t- try to take over your dad's position after he died." 
I am just, I can be George to you if you need me to. You can call me whatever you want, which is a dangerous game that he finds out very quickly. But he handles it like a champ. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, Kathy's got three kids. She's got an oldest, Billy, Michael's the middle one, and then Chelsea, I mm-hmm. think, is four years old. Um, and like any good Hallmark uh, horror movie, like ghost haunting uh, movie, we've got really good archetypes here. There's a desperate single mother, there's an emo son, a little boy who's very easily scared, and a little girl who obviously can't be bothered with the fact that she's definitely going to be friends with a ghost. Mm-hmm. And then and George. naturally, they have a dog. Oh, of course. You gotta have a dog that gotta be a hates dog. it. You gotta have a dog that's like, I'm not going in there. Like, absolutely fucking not gonna... Do you guys not see how fucking crawling with demons this place is? Because it's... Okay, so the the plan for the Lutzes is that they're they're trying to move up. You know, I feel like they've probably recently gotten together, so they want somewhere bigger. Um, George Mm -hmm. is a contractor, so, you know, even if they find a place that's not the greatest, he can fix it up. He kind of knows what to look for and how much houses are worth so him and mm-hmm. kathy uh she finds this like mystery listing for this really nice house in a really nice neighborhood and george is immediately smelling bullshit because he's like dog we cannot afford this place well yeah, they're driving through amityville and they're just like i i know we can't afford any of these places and then they pull up to the to the house and he's just like this can't be right there's got to be some real shit going on here yeah, he's like, this place is huge and gorgeous. There's no way that there's no catch to this. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and he even, like, talks to the realtor about it, and he's just like, okay, listen, I know, like, how this stuff is supposed to go. Why is this so cheap? And right, then she right. has to be like, well, <laughs> well, people did die here. <laughs> okay, so on this watch-through, it was really cool because, I, like, I know the house is fucking haunted. Everyone in Amityville probably knows this house is fucking haunted. They probably don't want to be anywhere near it. And the realtor doesn't either. Because the whole time she's there, she is clearly terrified. Uh, She pointedly does not go into the basement. Um, She actively is, like, repressing the fact that she's seeing ghosts. Um, And uh, she's like, yeah, um, you guys got kids? That's great. Love that this place will have kids again. That's so nice to hear. I really don't want to tell you that all these people got murdered here. Yeah. Well, and there's even a point when um, the Lutzes are talking together in a different room than the realtor. And when, um, oh God, what's her name? Uh, Kathy. Kathy. When Kathy like screams because she's excited that George has said that they're going to take it. The realtor runs in there to like yeah she's like oh no something happened and the then house she got somebody hugging and and she's just like okay I don't have to worry about this goddamn house anymore thank God yeah yeah because yeah and on the way out they're like all right so I'm glad we're taking it but George is like listen level with me what the why is this house so cheap and she's like mm-hmm. several people died. A family died here, um, but you know we've moved on. The community has moved on. The house is fine, mm-hmm. really, for real. And nothing will ever come of that at all. Nothing. Until you get an ominous day one uh, title card, and I'm like, oh no, they're doomed. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Well, and I think it was um, based on the whole uh, like phrase of the movie that they tried to sell it on, which is, or maybe it was the original movie that was uh, yes. the next twenty eight days have never been explained. Yes, uh, I feel like this is the the original twenty eight days later in that sense. Um, yeah, because yeah, like the famous story was that the Lutzes lived at that house for twenty eight days and never returned, even to collect their belongings. And it's mm-hmm. like you're going in being like, "All right, things seem really awesome. I'm scared to see how that goes." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so like the family moves in willy nilly. Uh, they seem to be adjusting very well. Again, the house is enormous. Um, and Danny, tell me if you see it. The house looks like a face. You see that, right? I can kind of see that. Yeah, like the the big like like it's out like yard windows. Facing. Yeah, like they just they just look like a face. And like when the lights are on and it's dark, like it just looks evil. Hmm. Well, yeah, but it, it is a it gorgeous looks house. Looks like it has like squinting eyes. Yeah, like which judgmental I think is the eyes. Thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it's watching you, and it's like your dick is too small. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so three fifteen a.m. is the witching hour, of course, mm-hmm. which is the hour that all of the ghosts start to get activate at. Um, it's mm-hmm. also oh, about the time. When... Um, that's when Ronnie committed the murders. Right. It was, like, some specifically evil time, I guess. Because yeah. uh, you can't have 666 on a clock. That's impractical. Yeah. Uh, that's but all the ghosts... 706. <laughs> yeah, exa- which, I mean, that sounds like a pretty ominous time. I think it would be if anybody didn't know math. I think that would actually be really interesting. Right, all it would take is one, like, numerologist to be like, Wait a minute! That would be... Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) But it's also a time that all of the windows and just fly open all at once all over the house. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everything gets kind of tossed around in the kitchen. And this seems to be, like, a nightly occurrence. That, like, it's like when the ghost furnace kicks on. Like, oh, shit, everything's fucked now. Well, and I think it's important to note that, like, from the first night they spend there, George is cold anywhere that isn't the basement. Like, he actively yeah. continues adding fuel to the fire, and he's just like, are you also cold? Like, it's chilly up here. Yeah, George is not having a great time. Because the well, way that they're having him adjust to the house is to be like, this place seems weird to you, and no one else mm-hmm. has a problem with it, because, like, Chelsea's already made a creepy new imaginary friend. Yeah, named Jody, which isn't, of course isn't a problem. No, 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 especially not the fact that she's got a giant-ass bullet hole in her forehead. Uh, uh, it looks really cool, but I hate it. No, it is really cool. It's freaky. It's a really creepy mm-hmm. image. Um, and Chelsea's already taking to that creepy little girl in a haunted house trope very well, because she just shows up in the boathouse that one time with, like, a red balloon just standing mm-hmm. there. And I'm like, what the fuck? What kind of movie are we doing here, Stephen King? <laughs> Hiya, Georgie. Oh my god, could you imagine if, like, Jeremiah Ketchum and Pennywise had to fight over who haunted the children? <laughs> I think Pennywise has has the odds there, but... I, I, 
I don't know. Did you does? see the way he tortured those Native Americans? That's that's true. We'll get into that weird level of the movie later. Um, but anyway, um, the more time as or as time passes, George is starting to uh, change his demeanor. Um, yeah. He starts getting sick pretty much immediately when they move in. Like, the first night, he starts to really feel sick at 3.15 in the morning, which is when um, him and Kathy were having some adult fun times together. And he's yeah, like, so... I am not doing okay. Yeah, nothing really kills the mood quite like seeing a little girl just hanging at the foot of your bed while you're trying to have sex with your wife. Yeah. Yeah, that's you're not going to be able to go on after seeing that. No, not one little bit. No. But we start to see that he's also changing in terms of his mood. He's starting to get mm. really defensive about the basement. Um, yeah. And we're starting to get hints about the house's plans for George. Mm-hmm. Which is also when Ryan Reynolds shifts in terms of uh, how he plays George. Because we all know Ryan Reynolds to be very charming. He's a good guy. He's funny. Um, mm-hmm. And when he threatens children, it is really scary. Yeah. Well, like, even the first one is just like a little something to Michael when he finds out that Michael found something in the basement. And he yeah, slave collar, first of all. <laughs> that was yeah. creepy. Um, but then he also just switches immediately to get into like this slightly aggressive tone when he's like, that's not the basement, that's my office. You're not to go in there. Um, and then as Kathy comes back with groceries, he kind of like comes back into himself a little bit when he sends Michael off by having him hug him before he leaves. Yeah. I mean, Michael's peed his pants. He's just fucking terrified. The kid oh, yeah. was, it was real. freaked out. Like, I honestly felt like Ryan Reynolds' decision to separate himself from the kids, some of that apprehension they have when they're, like, looking at him after he, like, says some weird, cryptic, horrible shit is, like, mm-hmm. kind of real. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> um, but around that same time, he, uh, him and the dog have started to find connections between the boathouse. Like, the dog does not like the boathouse. And the dog also does not like a very particular section of wall in the basement. And because in his, like, more psychosis-type moments, he kind of just sits and stares at it. He's trying to, like, mm-hmm. suss out what it all means. And it's not, like, the type of thing you just you disturb uh, when mm-hmm. he's doing that. It's kind of like when Jack is, is working. You just don't yeah. distract him while he's fucking working, okay? He's staring at a wall. It's a very important business. Well, yeah, and Kathy comes down and is just like, okay, this is fucking weird. <laughs> this is um, creepy, I'm go George. go back upstairs with the kids. I'm going to go somewhere else, not here. <laughs> I'm going to go see how our youngest child is doing and see if she got herself into the boathouse again. Honestly. And, I mean, he starts uh, throwing shade at Billy, the oldest son, too, who already doesn't like the fact that George is trying to be new dad. Mm-hmm. Because, like, oh, yeah, and... this is the greatest scene. <laughs> this whole exchange is incredible. <laughs> like, the fact that they have to get... We'll come back to the catch him and kill him shit later, I promise. But I'm talking about, like, the, the babysitter shit. Like, the fact that yep. Billy is, like... He's 
he's probably like 15 years old at his oldest and he's got like some attitude on him he's got this like emo sort of like you're not my real dad energy coming off of him and he's really into like mm-hmm. kiss and alice cooper and i'm like i like this kid um yeah but you know because kathy is seeing george's decline she's like we gotta go on a date we gotta get you out of the house we gotta get away from the kids uh, so we're gonna get we're gonna get dressed up in as much seventies outwear as we possibly can. Again, Ryan and Reynolds just great. killing it. Jesus, man, it's so impressive. Um, mm-hmm. And then you know, they're gonna leave the kids with a babysitter. And Billy is not having that. Billy does not want a babysitter at all. He thinks he's old enough to take care of the family by himself. And he's like, even when she knocks on the door, he's like, I'm not letting her in this house. I'm not doing it. It's not gonna happen. And uh, they open the door anyway, and then Billy gets very excited when the babysitter actually walks in. I mean, when I watched this movie when I was younger, I got excited. I'm like, you're really going to turn her away? And Ryan uh, George says, says the same thing. He's like, you sure you don't need a babysitter? I'm like, damn, George, for a Jack Torrance weird guy, you're still really funny. I do want to also mention that um, Megan Fox auditioned for the role of Lisa the no babysitter. No way! Movie. That would have been such a crazy like just when worlds collide, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah. So let's let's jump back before we hop into the babysitter section. Let's hop back to talk about catch him and kill him. All right. So this is where the movie starts to do. Um, really good modern horror movies have done because you know we talked we mentioned before we got the satanic panic in the 80s and like the exorcist and rosemary's baby is what passes for like hard r demon horror in like the Mm -hmm. 70s that shit doesn't fly in the early 2000s and i think all of platinum dunes kind of push into the into the world of remix horror was to try to make these movies intense and scary for a modern audience and mm-hmm. normal ghosts and the devil are not scary to modern audiences according to michael bay what's scary is horrible messages like catch him and kill him written in childlike magnets on the fridge Mm-hmm. And it's spelled and with only a K. shown to one character. Yeah, yeah, and Kathy's like, hey, um, George, you see the thing with the magnets? He's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, never mind, I'm like, I must be seeing things. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, that is some scary shit <laughs> to just yeah. have to sit with. Because it's spelled with a K. So it's mm-hmm. either deliberate or it's childlike. And I don't know which is scarier. Or, and hear me out, it's Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat! Because, you know, to bring some light into the uh, indiscriminate torture of a mind, of an oppressed people, I do think that his manner of flaying them alive was very, like, Shao Kahn of him. Mm-hmm. Definitely. In, in full seriousness, just as, a, as an equitable example to something that is so horrible... <laughs> But we'll come back to Ketchum later, and we're, I'm not talking about Ash Ketchum. Yes. Uh, uh, so so they the go on this date. Yes. The, yeah, what, what so happens the, with the babysitter? So the babysitter is here, and she's like, oh, I don't need to tour the house. I used to babysit for the old kids. Um, I, I know my way around here. First of and all, like, what? <laughs> right? 
How do you, could you be so... First of all, why would you ever want to go back there? Second of all, how could you be so nonchalant about, like... Yeah, I knew these kids pretty well, and they were horrifically murdered in a place that I know very well. Mm-hmm. Also, it wasn't a great idea for her to immediately just start smoking out of a bong. Listen, um, maybe. Maybe that's her way of coping again with the horrible murder. <laughs> well, like, yeah, but you still got a job to do, and, like, one of these kids is, like, little, little. Like, that's you gotta right. still be on your game here. Of course. Especially of because course. you know this house is fucked up. Yeah, exactly. Like, you, whether you believe Ronnie or not, like, even if you think mm-hmm. this is just, like, a horrible murder house, like, maybe... Like, still if take you, some precautions, for God's like, sake. Yeah, like, learn your lesson, right? Like, because she, she talks about how she used to babysit the, the, the DeFeo kids, and mm-hmm. uh, specifically Jody uh, got her fired because she was just yeah. shitty. So I would think that if you get called back to the scary murder house where the little girl that got you fired was fucking blown away by her older brother, maybe show a little mm. bit more respect. <laughs> yeah. But, like, she well, also decides it's a good idea to tell the kids what happened there, which I guess is mm-hmm. good because their parents probably should have done that. I mean... To a point, yes. Like, they didn't need to necessarily know all the, like, gritty yeah, details. They were like, shot oh, yeah, in the those head. beds. Yeah. <laughs> those beds were where they were shot, so it's kind of fucked up you're sleeping there while she's laying in said bed. Yeah, I was like, girl, I think you're a big problem that you're <clears throat> taking this too well. Mm-hmm. Also, because you're, like, kind of hitting on a 14-year-old boy. Right? Am I uh, reading that correctly? Yeah, I don't, I don't like that. I didn't like that. Right, right, right. Like, I know he's probably like, uh, uh, but like, we're adults, and we know that that's not right. Mm-hmm. And again, like, kids were murdered here. Kids you knew. Um. Yeah. What's your, what's your deal? <laughs> uh, uh. But, uh, Lisa ends up getting, like, bedded into going into the closet, which is where Jody was killed. Um, and then when she tries to get out of the closet, uh, she can't, and there's no lock on the door, so there's no real reason that she shouldn't be able to open that door, except for the fact that there's a fucking ghost Jody there to essentially traumatize the shit out of Lisa. Well, because the first bit of where she, where shit hits the fan first is like, she, she goes into the closet and she's like, oh, you know, I'm in the closet or whatever. And then she sees this doll, this very strange-looking, mm-hmm. like, black, like, bunny oh, rabbit-looking yeah. thing with missing an eye, and all of the, like, confidence drains out of her. And we'll get into that mm-hmm. later. Um, but it's such a creepy detail. And then that's yeah. when she can't open the door, and then, yeah, she turns around and fucking Jody's there, and she... <laughs> and Jody does the worst thing <laughs> possible. This is so like, fucked. She, like, takes... Okay, so, again, this little girl was horrifically murdered and does not deserve it. But, like, why is she doing this type of shit? Well, it's because she doesn't like Lisa because she was I the know. she got fired. But, like, um, this is but too far. <laughs> this is so, fucked. So Jody takes Lisa's finger um, and... Like, pokes it through the bullet hole in her forehead. <sighs> which made me, like, it makes me physically squirm I and, like, right. recoil. To well, and see then. That every time. Like, so that happens, and she starts cl- trying to claw her way out of the door, and she looks back, and she just sees 
you know, the scene of, you know, when she was murdered. Like, she had been mm-hmm. hiding in the closet as her family was getting blown away. And when Ronnie came looking for her, he, like, didn't find her in her bed. And he just looked in the closet and he found her there. And he just, like, point blank shot her. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, again, catch him and kill him is written blood on the wall. So, like, yep. that shit compounded with, you know, the little girl that used to babysit putting your finger into the bullet hole into her forehead is a little much for someone to bear. It's, I feel it's like a she lot has much. A, it's a yeah, lot she, much. Yeah, I mean, the Lutzes get home, and, you know, the babysitters had, like, a nervous breakdown, and she's being taken away being, by paramedics. Yeah, like, she is tied down to a, to a like, rolling bed. A gurney? So that they can take her away to it, probably a psychiatric ward. I mean, it's the like, 70s, what I would the fuck happened? So. Like, that girl's dead, and they're probably gonna blame it on the weed, which, I mean, maybe. Um, but, uh... That's when Kathy first learns that Jody, you know, Chelsea's imaginary friend, was the name of the girl that used to live there before them that was murdered in her bedroom. So she's, mm-hmm. like, at the same time that George is, like, starting to be like, I think I'm going crazy, Kathy mm-hmm. starts to go, I think something's wrong here. Yeah. Um, well, and... uh Kathy tries to start to discipline the children when they're, like, not... They're being like, we didn't do anything. And George decides that that is not Bro. enough of what she's doing. Bro. And that he's going to take over discipline from here on out. This is when I, I like... When I think about this movie, I think about this scene a lot. Just because I'm like, damn, that's fucking ominous. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's it's so scary to, like... I feel like as an actor to to put yourself in that position, and I feel like it, it's really cool that you mentioned that he he separated himself because like I've played characters that have done this sort of thing. I don't mm-hmm. like it. It makes me uncomfortable, especially if I yeah. know the person that I'm you know I'm talking to. So I feel mm-hmm. like having that luxury probably helped a lot because like when he. Like, like when he tells all the kids to go to their room, and then he just like says "run," I'm like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> it's scary. it's terrifying. It's like real. It's just, it's just so it's so little that does so much. Right. Like, and I forgot about that part. Mm hmm. Like I remember him yelling at the kids. I remember Kathy being like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" Um, and then I forgot that he's just like run. I'm like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he's still making jokes, like, in this now evil George face. Like, more often than not, he's entered this period of, like, constantly being negative. Uh, yeah. And, like, that one scene where they're having dinner, like, even his jokes are scary now. You know I what I mean? Like, meatloaf. It's funny. But I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, this is scary <laughs> shit. Well, and uh, something that George has been doing from the get-go, originally for um, the heat in the house, but now uh, in pure training mode, um, yeah. George really likes to chop wood with an ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that you said training mode. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, it's, it's the house making sure that he's ready for what is to come. I mean, if they couldn't already tell, he's got a perfect physique. <laughs> I yeah, feel like the chopping dude. wood... Like, there's a couple of... Don't you worry, people who are attracted to Ryan Reynolds. There's, like, several scenes in this movie where he's, like, just wearing, like, pajama pants. And, mm-hmm. like, chopping wood. Or, like, taking psychotic baths. 
or seeing demons. You know, like he, there's yeah. a lot going on, uh, and I feel like it's a good safety blanket um, for the descent into madness that he's making us watch him do. Mm-hmm. Well, and like at one point he has um, Billy holding the log until oh my he god chops it, which is terrifying it, I, it's I hard for me never. to watch that like i can't, it's really uncomfortable for me to watch like i know shit. it doesn't end badly but i still think it's going to every time because like look how terrified billy is like he's like almost crying i'm like jesus that's like well, yeah. mortal terror and george is just george is casually if you make it move it'll make me move we oh can't do God. anything about that it's fucking so scary man uh, mm-hmm. But I think it's also really cool that it's juxtaposed really well with his behavior when they're not at the house. Because multiple mm-hmm. times, Kathy and him, uh, you know, go to town on, you know, dates or to take him to see the doctor uh, after he, like, has that seizure or he, like, almost, dr- well, he almost drowns in the bathtub and Kathy's like, dude, what mm-hmm. the fuck is wrong with you? Um, yeah. But he's normal. Like, he's his normal, like, casual, like, good self again and is and not happy that he's being and he, he does not like that he's being suggested to go to a psychiatrist well it's the 70s man they don't fucking well yeah no that's that was <laughs> him just being like i'm not crazy let me just go home and be myself True. well right because he's still like i mean i feel fine now like i don't mm. know what's going on either because like no one's expecting ghosts kathy's almost there but like he doesn't know mm-hmm the house is fooling him, man. And this is when... Or, sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, because you're, like, probably we're going, like, because this is when it starts to show him things. The house starts mm-hmm. to, like, project really fucked up visions of some shit that's in the basement. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, drains in the floor that are just made for blood. Like, that's not a good sign. Like, we talked about it with Barbarian, like, if there's a a subterranean, like, rape labyrinth under your Mm -hmm. Airbnb, like, that's not good. Like, no good, like, no one made that, like, for their kids to play in. Like, nobody ever, there's never a good reason to have a bunker like that in, like, a secret, creepy basement. And there is never a good reason to have blood drains in a secret room underneath your, like, 17th century Matt, I'm gonna go one further. It's never good to have blood drains. I'm gonna say there are probably some expectations for, like, Slaughterhouse. I don't know. I'm sure someone somewhere. At least not in your own home. No, no. no, There should be no DIY blood drains. You should not have that shit in your basement. No. It should not be there. <laughs> but, I mean, thankfully, George only gets a snapshot of it. Um, although I'm sure that he's going to forever have the image of his own flayed back uh, on some kind of crude altar slash torture uh, table uh, mm-hmm. burned into his mind forever. Um, but uh, we don't see the full depths of that horrible place until much later. When we have, mm-hmm. thankfully, unfortunately, added context. Yeah. Um, but first, when they get back from their visit to the doctor, um, we've seen a scene at this point, which is the three kids hanging out, and um, the little girl is essentially like, hey, can I just go hang out with uh, Jody? And Billy's like, yeah, but don't let mom know. You have to be back here, because I can't let mom know you were out of my sight, because she's freaked out about you. Because she should be. 
because when George and Kathy get back, they find uh, little Chelsea standing on the roof, just casually. I, so, um, this shit's really scary. Like, this trope mm-hmm. shows up every now and then in, like, real life stories quite a bit, to the point that it really sends a chill through me every time. But, like, ghost children, or ghost entities, or something, whatever, mm-hmm. convincing children to, like, kill themselves without the kids knowing what's going on is, like, bone-chilling to me. Yeah. Well, yeah, and because we find out after um, Kathy and George, like, f- freak out and end up finding a way to get her off the roof safely, um, we find out that Chelsea was told by Jody that if she did this, she would get to see her dad again. Right. And that they could play forever. Never a good That's sign when someone gives creepy. you something for forever. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially like if they, they literally, Like, they literally told her, come play with us, Chelsea, forever and ever. Like, it's literally The Shining. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, this is when we know that Jody doesn't necessarily have their best intentions at heart, but no. she's there with Chelsea, at least. However, um, it sounded like... From the first scene that Kathy talked to Chelsea about Jody, Chelsea mm. did say that there's this creepy, quote-unquote, bad man. Again, red flag anytime you live in a haunted house when a kid starts talking about the bad man. Because it's always a million times worse than it sounds. Uh, and it, mm-hmm. it is. Uh, but she she says that the bad man will make Jody do things she doesn't want to do. Probably, yeah. like, convince the people living in the house to try to die so we can harvest their souls or some horrible, creepy shit. Which, this is also... We didn't mention this earlier because it didn't really come up, but I wanted to point it out that when George first starts really seeing things, um, he would see Jody somewhere, except for the fact that a pair of arms are holding her against the ceiling so he doesn't see her. Yeah. Some someone or something has been controlling what Jody can and cannot do in this house. Right, and uh, it probably has something to do with those creepy refrigerator magnet messages. Mm-hmm. So around this time, the house and this mysterious bad man increase their hold on George even more. They finally get him to say he's had enough, and he moves into the basement, which is a really mm-hmm. bad call. Yeah. Because this is exactly the the line of behavior that Butch DeFeo followed before he killed his mm-hmm. family. And this is when George murders his first family member. Yeah. When he kills he, the he dog. He kills the dog. He, uh, he, he thinks it's a I demon. Do wanna, I do want to mention to all of our listeners out there who may care about how this happened in real life... Um, in real life, the dog was not murdered. The uh, dog survived you... this whole experience. I, I have conflicting reports about what happened to the dog. <gasps> oh no, what do you um, have? Uh, apparently, the day they moved in, the dog hanged itself from its own collar by, like, jumping over the fence. Which I'm sure was an accident. What? Again, it was a horrible freak accident, I'm sure. Oh, no. But it's just because it's the Amityville horror that it's like, nah, man, the dog said, fuck this. Well, no, now I just feel worse because I thought I was giving everybody some levity. Nah, sorry, guys, that fucking sucks. I'm sorry to rain on everybody's parade, but, like, it's a... 
it's not funny, but like if it's consider that it probably was an accident and it wasn't like the dog being like, well, you guys are doomed. <laughs> See ya, fuckers. <laughs> Which is not fun. I'm not making. I'm. Tr- I'm sorry. That was inappropriate. Um, but yeah, this dog unfortunately gets murdered. But um, mm-hmm. George thinks it's a demon. Because he's starting yeah. to see, again, like a lot like Jack Torrance in The Shining, like he believes that his family is like out to get him. He starts hearing voices in the basement while he's asleep, uh, and through the pipes that are like his family conspiring to kill him too. Mm-hmm. So this is when Kathy's like, you know what? Something's definitely wrong here. So she goes to a priest. To figure out what's been going on about all this. Right. Um, Because this can't be a good sign. Yes, this is one of my other really uh, favorite uh, ghost haunted house uh, movie tropes. Uh, like the, 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 the kindly priest who comes in, uh, helping out the family. And then he like leaves the house in a hurry. Like this house is fucking haunted. Like that sort of thing (laughs) where he just Mm -hmm. is like. You guys are absolutely screwed, um, and we and we finally get context for why the babysitter was so scared of that doll. Uh, do you remember mm-hmm. the story? Well, yeah, because it was that uh, it was like her fa- it was Jody's favorite doll or something, and so she was buried with that doll. Yeah, so there the is no there. reasonable explanation as to why that should be in the house now. Yeah, man, it's fucking scary shit. Um, so on a favor, yeah, he goes to try to bless the house, you know, again, help out the family, it's the least he can do, um, Mm -hmm. but, um, it doesn't work, uh, at all, uh, not enough holy water there, no, 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 there's not enough holy water in the Vatican to cleanse this house or whatever the fuck is going on in there, (laughs) um, what I think is, is really cool, though, is, um, that that whole exchange with the, the priest uh, seeing all those flies uh, and being told to get out, um, that was, like, a real, according to the, the book, that's, like, an original account from the priest that did come to bless the house. Like, that almost exact thing happened, uh, which is Damn. pretty scary. Like, normally you don't hear haunted houses where, like, the ghost talks for, like, everybody to hear. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, it, it's, it literally prototypically says, like, get out. Like this that's where this this is where that trope came from. Like that mm-hmm. it actually happened at least once. Yeah. Um But yeah, so Kathy's like, hey, um, we gotta get the fuck out of here. Um but George doesn't see that because houses don't kill people. People kill people. The house doesn't make us crazy. We would be crazy if we were crazy. That's how this works. I just need to go back to my basement, please, so I can right. go mad. Right, he's just like, listen, listen, it's all in your head. When I see the demons, I just have to kill them. And if you don't understand that, then you're clearly the one who needs psychiatric help. And it's, like, so matter-of-fact to him at this point. But I feel like Kathy probably should have taken George out to dinner again, like, away from the house before she implored him to leave. Like, she could be like, listen, um, a priest ran from our house in terror today. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should leave. Uh, you don't feel good when you're there. The kids are terrified. Um, 
We should, we should just cut our losses and Chelsea's get the fuck out Chelsea's almost died like three times. Right, right. We gotta um, get out. <laughs> the the kids are fucking horrified at you, and um, you're. I mean, this is about the time for you to tell me you're starting to see some shit. Because then we can get mm-hmm. the fuck out of here. Um, so that we don't have to, you know, because George doesn't want to do it. So now Kathy has to take it upon himself to go to the local library, check the box on your ghost story uh, bingo card, um, and look at microfiche to get lore on what the fuck happened with the house and what's going on in the basement. We well, we can first later. talk about, you know, <laughs> the the similarities at least between mm-hmm. Ronnie and George. Uh, yes. What What did she find? What What did you remember? Um, I'm trying to think what. I honestly don't think I remember what she found. I think it was mostly just like the the creepy diary that he kept that had Ketchum and kill him all over it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Because like yeah, she does she recognizes. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. She's like, wait a like, minute. Nope. Well, because then she somehow finds this big, massive tome uh, about that guy, uh, and then she learns some awful fucking details about her house. Yeah. So we're not talking about Ash Ketchum. Uh, He only enslaved Pokemon. Um, We're talking about Reverend Jeremiah Ketchum, which is a red flag name. You just did a show... Uh, where a lot of people had names like this, and I feel like unless they are that Amish, was Josiah. I know, yes. I know, but I'm saying like unless they are Amish, if they're like these type of creepy like pilgrim preachers, it they're red flag names. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because like this makes me think of like the third movie in the Fear Street trilogy, or like exactly flashbacks in Hocus Pocus two. Like this is a name from the 1600s, not anytime later than that yeah and a lot like our modern day representations of the brutality of pilgrim christians uh Mm -hmm. reverend jeremiah ketchum started a mission uh for native americans uh he built the original structure of the house uh in like the late 1600s uh, to convert mm-hmm. Native Americans, and uh, instead he kind of just tortured the fuck out of them like the Cenobites, and then dumped yeah. their bodies in the lake outside where the boathouse now stands. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like this man was not just like killing people; he was actively like ripping these people apart. It's looking horrifying. <laughs> it some, it's some, upsetting. Like, and they, according to this, like, tome, like, this this grimoire-type tome that Kathy finds about this guy, uh, she learns that he did some kind of, like, weird, like, the all of the torture and the maiming was, like, specifically to, like, bind the souls to the house, and then mm-hmm. he, like, ritualistically slit his own throat, which I guess means that he can stay in the structure forever, like uh, Freddy Krueger or something, and just mm-hmm. continually like harvest the souls of whoever lives there, like some kind of horrible Grim Reaper. Yeah, that's actually a really good metaphor. I mean, he looks like it. He's got that big creepy hat, that big long coat. Mm-hmm. He's got that kind of like weird scythe machete, and I'm like, you're like yeah. some kind of pr- pilgrim Grim Reaper. Catch him with their horrifying name. <laughs> <laughs> he caught him, all right. <laughs> Good God! <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Sorry. No, I love it. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so this is about the time, and be, and as Kathy is learning all of that, George is seeing all of it. So he's mm-hmm. he's broken down this like faux wall in the basement that separated that like torture chamber. Uh, in the original foundation of the house, and um, he sees the the ghostly visions of of Jeremiah Ketchum slit his throat, and he bleeds all over George, and like imbues mm-hmm. him one hundred percent with the spirit of murder your family time energy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's go time. Yeah, and it, 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 and it progresses very quickly from that point because now yeah. Kathy's like. Oh fuck! My husband is fucked. My family is fucked. We gotta get the hell out of here, pronto. Mm-hmm. Um, but what does George she find when <laughs> she sees George? Um. Uh, what does? Oh no, that's right. That's when she sees the coffins in the basement. How fucking terrifying is seeing a crudely made coffin? With your name written on it in the and basement your of your house. Yeah, and your children in, in, in proportionally measured coffins. Uh, it's I fucking creepy. seeing anything other than a full-size coffin. Yeah. Like, I know that's that's kind of, like, a weird thing to say. Yeah, Pet cemetery hits sizes, a weird, like, uh, note for, like, yeah. baby coffins. They just, they just shouldn't be. They just simply should not be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it should just not be a thing. Um, but uh, George just wants to talk to Kathy about something. Again, he's reasonable. He's level-headed. Mm-hmm. He knows what's going on. And he knows what he needs to do. And what he needs to very plainly explain to her is that he needs to systematically execute every single one of her children and her with a shotgun. Um, yeah, and, and he already has what- the gun. And for whatever reason, she doesn't want to sit and have that conversation with him. Right? Like, he, could you imagine? Like, and he's just, like, so indignant about the whole thing. <laughs> That's what's so, I think, really creepy about this whole, like, ending murder montage. Is that he's just, like, in a creepy, like, dementia-like state. Where he's just mm. on autopilot. And it's like the ghosts are just using his voice to try to, like, creep the family out. Yeah. Um, well, and this is when it starts to be very important that Kathy had to climb all over the house earlier to save Chelsea because yeah. um, they got to climb all over that house to try to get the fuck away from George and his gun. Cause well, he... thank God for such a climbable roof, though. So can I just talk about the fact that that was probably one of the scariest things to me was when uh, Kathy is holding the gun to... Uh, George's like neck or like the side of his head or something and all he does when you think he's gonna like grab it and take it from her he just moves it to the middle of his forehead and leave and takes his hand away to give her the choice to shoot him or not because this is also like where it could go two very dark directions the first could be that it's catch him being like kill him I'm gonna have at least one uh or the fact that George is probably still in there somewhere And those moments of lucidity, like when he falls off the roof or when she hits him in the face with the butt of the shotgun, it's like, imagine wrestling with like a crazy, like 300 year old ghost zealot for control over your body. 
Uh, and like, would you make that choice to be like, dude, like, I don't want to hurt you. Like you have mm. to do this or I'm going to hurt you. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they, they climb all over the house to try to avoid him. And eventually they realize we're going to have to just knock him out and restrain him in order to get him to leave. Right. Cause Kathy knows the house is what's affecting him. Yeah. Um, and so, luckily, they do manage to knock him the fuck out, um, and they're able—they are able to restrain him enough to get him into a boat that can sail in towards the lake, which gets him away from the house. Right. They uh, were lucky enough that George had a speedboat, and um, mm-hmm. it was the only way because he had fucking axed their tires, uh, so they couldn't have driven away. Uh, but yeah, after 28 days of living in uh, that house in Amityville, uh, the Lutzes left um, and never returned. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they've ever been back. I, I didn't find that in any of like, the stories or like the press for it. A lot of people descended into research that house, including the Warrens from the Conjuring movies, and they mm-hmm. deduced that the house was uh, infected by demons, because they always do. Um, but, uh, there was a lot of very, you know, legit ghost hunting that was done in that house. And if you really want to give yourself a bit of a, you know, creepy little chill, uh, go look up Amityville ghost picture, um, that was taken during a, uh, ghost hunting expedition. Uh, Danny, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's a little spooky. Um, I have this little sounds really interesting. Look it up when you get the chance. It's this little creepy ghost boy, and you're like, "Holy shit, that's a ghost boy!" Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's about it. That's the con- that's the uh, the Amityville. Uh, well, yeah, and horror, there's this but... nice little um, after there's like a tight ty- uh, that little um, paragraph. There is this little like final jump scare because mid two thousand movies needed them, I guess. Um, where yeah. Jody's just kind of screaming until she gets pulled into the floor by those hands that we saw earlier. It's creepy. I mean, I'll, it's it's it was unexpected. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that is, as uh, Matt put it in the notes this time, the Reynoldsville horror. The Reynoldsville horror, a.k.a. the original 28 Days Later <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely going to start calling this one uh, the Reynoldsville Horror, because, uh, I mean, th- there's hundreds of Amityvilles out there. Um, mm-hmm. And and there's only I mean, one Reynoldsville. Right, and this movie fucking rules. Uh, I think in... I always like to just... For, like The short, short version is like, Ryan Reynolds fucking is worth it alone. Like, his performance mm-hmm. rules, and I mean, who doesn't like Ryan Reynolds? I'm sure there are yeah. people, but like, again, just give it, give this movie a shot. But there is also just so much worth it in this movie that it still felt fresh. Like at the time when they were making these type of movies, it still didn't feel like run out because it still was scary. It still is. I mean, this movie holds up, I think. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, I, this still fits in with like, we know that we love watching the Conjuring movies. This movie fits in with like that level of movie. Like this hasn't aged out. Yeah, yeah. Like, other, and, uh, ha- like, haunting movies can. 
yeah, it, it, it didn't really sacrifice for, like, a big sort of ending. It, like, I mean, like, the climax was a climax, but, like, it was scary because mm-hmm. it felt real. Uh, because it was oh, just yeah. Ryan Reynolds with a gun or an axe trying to murder his family. It wasn't, like, a demon nun turning into a fucking huge monster. Yeah. As uh, cool as that then... is, I love that shit. But I think that that's a... It's a good segue. I have just this brief little tiny, tiny soapbox that I promise is positive. Um, so, uh, a lot like the nun, Valak, in The Conjuring 2, um, and a lot of, you know, haunting movies that kind of go in this similar vein, where there's, like, demonic possessions and stuff like that, hauntings. And this Ketchum guy, uh, he was completely fabricated for the movie, but I think that's totally okay, because it totally serves for the movie. It's freaky. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it works, especially because of, of how inauthentic it is. And this is kind of where I feel like I had just this little weird thought that I can't get out anywhere else other than this show. So like this movie, the nun, the conjurings and like the haunting in Connecticut, um, that movie adaptation of that, again, real life haunting, um, are, I think, really good adaptations of the quote-unquote based-on-a-true-story genre because they take a real, or hoax, paranormal, like, s- situation. Like, the story of The Conjuring 2, like the Enfield Poltergeist, is one of the scariest, most compelling paranormal activity documentations I've ever heard about. Like, there is so much evidence from that haunting. Yeah. And the movie The Conjuring 2 fucking rules. And The Nun is kind of just the icing on the cake for that movie. Because what Mm. I feel like these movies do, like the based on true story do, is they make the haunting have like a definitive cause to give it like an answer and some level of closure. Like for the Enfield Poltergeist, in real life, the activity just kind of stopped one day after like a year. Like all of it just stopped. Which, like, kind of gives you this eerie sort of feeling of, like, we don't really know why or how it happened at all. And that's yeah. really creepy. But it, it's a better movie if it's all the inner workings of this creepy demon nun who's haunting these, like... And it's all wrapped like... up with a bow by the end. Right, exactly. And, like, they get rid of the nun and, and everyone kind of goes away and the power of Christ rules all. Which is power fine. Christ uh, compels you. Hey, it's an entertaining as fuck movie. I, I am. I will keep seeing those movies. I love it. Um, I really appreciate though that the answer to the, the all those movies is something that's like, it's not even real. Like uh, we have talked on like a couple of times about like movies having like almost too real stakes that it almost like goes, ooh. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's not like demons in the sense of like the omen, where it's like. That's kind of dark to look at mm-hmm. from a cult state, like the Antichrist as like a as like a character. It's like yeah. that kind of makes me feel scared for like the corruptibility of man being our own downfall and all that like crazy shit. Um, mm-hmm. But in this movie, it's like it's it just they just blow right past like occult realism, and it's always some super mystical like nth level crazy dark magic demon entity. And they have to be invented because there's, like, absolutely no basis for any of that type of shit in, like, occult practices. Because it's Mm -hmm. supposed to be upsetting and scary and intense. 
that's like the mm-hmm. point of the movie. Like the Cenobites are scary because it's intense, not because they're you know actually following like occult practices or whatever. They're just scary because they're like that guy's throat's on his forehead. That's fucking creepy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like yeah. that's it's that's the point, and I feel like that as an antagonist, to me at least, when it comes to like demons, is a really good way of painting your antagonist. So I feel like my little advice for it is as long as that all of us are well aware that these badass, horrifying demon villains are always fabrications, and that more often than not, whenever there are demonic hauntings, there's a rational explanation. Not to say that there aren't for hauntings. I I definitely believe in haunting activity. I just don't know if I per se jive with demons being the cause. Um, And uh, as long as you kind of buy that, like, this is a movie and, like, demons aren't actually out to fucking possess people... You can have fun with these type of movies as long as you don't mm-hmm. believe in them too hard because then we get to be like the Warrens uh, and you don't want to be like the Warrens. They're liars. And that's my <laughs> end of episode advice. Don't be like the Warrens. Tell the truth. Don't... Yeah. Uh, that's all that's... I got. <laughs> yeah. That is the Amityville Horror 2005. Yes. Or the I fucking Reynoldsville love this. Horror, as we I love it on this podcast. I love the Reynoldsville horror. I will keep coming back to this movie. It's been a staple of my Spooktober watch-throughs the last, like, four years. I mm. love this movie. Yeah, it's it's a really solid one. Highly recommend watching it if you get the chance. Uh, yeah. It is currently streaming on Showtime, if you happen yes. to have that subscription. Yes. Um, otherwise, you can rent it pretty much anywhere. Um, it was available on DVD and VHS when it came out in 2005. Hell yeah. So feel free to... Fu- <laughs> round up one of those two options yeah um, yeah yeah or a physical release because we're all about physical releases on this podcast yeah i gotta get a new copy of this movie because it mine skips about like a third of the way through oh like, yeah Fuck. uh so yeah i gotta get a new copy because this movie rules um it's so good. so yeah follow our instagram at the underscore square horror podcast you can reach us at square horror podcast gmail.com Thank you for listening. Uh, I loved doing the little extra research for this episode. It was really cool to read about the like real hauntings and the comparisons to the movie and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Like the original movie, you know, like because we were talking yeah. off air about like the Lutzes tried to have a stake in this movie too. And mm-hmm. it's just so wild that like you said, like the lawsuit kind of never had an ending, right? Well, yeah, because the lawsuit started in like end of 04 the movie was released in 05 and they were still in like litigations and then george lutz passed away in 2006 no! <laughs> Ryan so the case was never finished um so that lawsuit was never officially through at any point for either side that's so crazy <laughs> yeah i mean it, it was that's how real it was i mean this this the most of the time when we get based on a true story it's not as real uh as mm. something like this that's pretty cool i think yeah. twilight notwithstanding this might have been our first episode covering like a thing that used to be a book or a real life event rather well i think we talked about dracula and frankenstein at one point right we did i think we just kind of covered them in the terms of like the general idea i don't think either one of us were like yeah we read the books last week's for homework (laughs) so we could come in with any sort of idea we're like what does frankenstein mean man like that was more far (laughs) i mean that was fun i liked talking about that 
Yeah. Uh, so up next, uh, we've got a little little ditty of uh, postmodern sequels to get into. Danny, you want to talk about some of yes. those? Yes. Um, so yes, we'll be talking about a couple of movies that came out in the um, late in the early 2010s to mid 2010s. Um, I think that's the, the span of our movies right now. Yeah, I think uh, so. But we have we have a couple things that um, will round out a franchise we covered earlier on this yes. uh, podcast, which is the Alien movies. God, um, I'm I'm gonna strap myself in for that one, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I haven't seen either of these movies before. This will uh, be we a also journey. have a uh, podcast favorite that we'll be covering pretty soon, which is The Strangers Pray at Night. Yeah, you can talk about my uh, playlist, st- Songs I Let the Strangers Kill Me To. Yeah. <laughs> and you can hear us gush about a uh, friend of the podcast, um, Damien Maffei, who is in said movie. Oh, yes. I uh, Hopefully we'll be able to get in touch with him uh, for comments. Um, I know that he's very passionate about that movie, so uh, we'll mm-hmm. try to do it justice. Um, we've also got another Mike Flanagan project in the work, uh, to w- which I think we mentioned on the podcast before about Ouija. Um, mm-hmm. And then we've got a couple of uh, other Wonderful World of Remakes that we've got that are going to be paving the way uh, to our episode 100, which is uh, yes. still in the works and is getting there. Get ready for it, it's, kids. It's going to be spooky. Yes. It's going to be really fun. I'm really excited for all you guys to listen to it. It's We're, we're going to have uh, a lot of fun with that one. But, yeah, um, what's up? But until that time, oh, we'll stay uh, spooky out there. Is it fucking cold in here? Is anyone seeing that that creepy pilgrim man? Uh, uh, soul. Re- oh no! I you know what, Danny. I think I'm just gonna buy the house down the street. <laughs> okay. Good night. <laughs>